0: This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 195. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, and today I'm joined by Mr. Jacob Paulson. Howdy, 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 howdy. (laughs) Jacob, are you
1: recovered from SHOT Show? Yeah, you know, um, it's funny because it's so exhausted, so tired. But the truth, truth be told, I, I recovered pretty quick. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to
0: go, man. Bounce back and let's do it. I'm jealous of, I guess, your quick recovery. I, yesterday, I was still a bit in a fog. Today, I feel okay. Yesterday, though, still was like almost almost like a jet lag of sorts. Well, in your defense, you drove back from Las Vegas and I flew. So? So
1: I'm saying that, that I was home before you and, and I didn't have to burn any late night or early morning candles to get there.
0: <laughs> I enjoyed the drive. I uh, saw some beautiful country. The weather was nice. The weather was fantastic. I only wish I could have seen a little more a little a little more wildlife along the way. Uh, I had the camera ready, you know, I mean, on on that particular drive, I've seen bighorn sheep, I've seen elk, I've seen deer, I've seen all sorts of wildlife, and I didn't see a single thing. So that was a little bit of a letdown. Life's tough, man. (laughs) Oh, well. So, hey, real quick, today's episode is brought to you by Guardian Nation. Yes, the nation you need to consider joining Guardian Nation right now. Let me let me give you a couple of reasons why, especially especially right now, because uh, we are fast approaching the end of January. Why is that significant, Jacob? Well, because in February, on February fifteenth,
1: we'll be shipping a gear box to all qualifying members of Guardian Nation, and it's not too late to qualify. Uh, if if you join Guardian Nation today or tomorrow, essentially before February first, right midnight on January thirty first, and you join uh, and you pay at the quarterly or annual basis, so you you either prepay three months or 12 months in advance, then you qualify to get the box. And I will tease you with one thing that's coming in the box. And for those of you that are already members, you can be excited about this. This is the Range Tech Shot Timer. Mm. And this this little dealio, uh, which is a, a product of the same guys who bring you the LASR software, it's really clever. It's a cool thing. You stick this into your phone. You download an app. It's an amazing shot timer app, but unlike all other shot timer apps for phones, it doesn't suck because of this little piece of hardware, uh, which I- essentially acts as your off off board or your external microphone and speakers, which uh, is is a really phenomenal piece of of equipment. So this is going in the this is one of several things that is going in the gearbox that we're going to be shipping out to qualifying members on February 15th. So join today or tomorrow before the end of the month of January and you and and assuming you you join quarterly or annually, you will qualify
0: to get that box shipped out on February 15th. There you go. And also <clears throat> Other thing, past items that we've shipped in the box, holsters. Let's see, what do we got here? Uh, this is the quick draw. That's awesome stuff. Hearing protection, ammo ears. Other hearing protection. Over the year. This multi-tool cutter from Real Avid. I got it all here, Jacob. This uh, crossbreed arc protector bag thing. Awesome stuff there. Targets. Cleaning supplies.
1: Now I know why Riley's desk is so, always so dirty. He's got all this stuff just sitting there. Yeah. You know, we, we really try hard to send out a product that's legitimately valuable and actually usable. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm subscribed to lots of other subscription box services out there, and most of them send you a lot of weird trinkets that aren't particularly valuable or useful or practical, but we really legitimately try and send things out to shooters that you're going to use. And, and maybe if you already have it, maybe if you don't need another pair of your hearing protection, you'll sell it on eBay or give it to a friend uh, or have a spare. But yeah, qual- you know, join today or tomorrow
0: and you can get the February box. Yep. Also, another sponsor of today's episode is Pig Lube. We were handing out this stuff at SHOT Show to those that came and said hello at the booths where we were recording on site throughout SHOT Show week. So some of you were able to pick some of that up. Guess what? It's available for sale for all new. We've recently revised the price on that. So go check it out. Here's the PLC pig lube cleaner. We appreciate pig lube for being a sponsor of today's episode of the podcast. And also Andrew Branca's the law of self-defense. Go to concealedcarry.com com forward slash L O S D and check him out and what his site and his classes have to offer you. We hope to, uh, hope that you will support him also as a sponsor of today's episode of the podcast. So with that, Jacob, uh, we promised folks we'd probably talk about, or we'd, we'd talk about highlights of the shot show 2018. Uh, we don't want to spend a ton of time on it because we actually have some episodes that are coming up in coming weeks where we will probably also continue talking about some of the things from SHOT Show with various guests, uh, just to give you a preview, by the way, folks, uh, those listening coming up in future episodes of the podcast, we've got interviews with Max, Michelle, Lena Michelek. Uh, we already published last week, Chris Peronto and Phil Strader from six Sour. That was really cool. Uh, we've got, um, we got? there are so many a lot of them, there's, them there's a lot of them. We got some really amazing, an um,
1: amazing uh, uh, shooter from uh, uh, Fioki. Uh, we have someone who, believe it or not, uh, works in the governor's office of the state of Wyoming. Uh, we have Tony from UTM. Um, we have, jeez, uh, it's uh, Rob and Rob, Rob squared, as I call him, uh, Rob Latham and, right. and Rob Pincus. Uh, that that we interviewed. You mentioned Andrew Branca, uh, Shane Cooley. I mean, we have we have so many people that we interviewed at Shot Show, and uh, all that is in the Hopper and will be published over the upcoming weeks uh, as we you know stay true to to our you know publishing schedule.
0: That's that's right. And as far as Facebook Live is concerned, we'll figure out how that's all going to work into it. Because uh, those of you that have been checking us out, following us on Facebook Live, uh, definitely want to to not leave you hanging as many as those, those interviews were recorded or pre-recorded, obviously. So, uh, we'll make sure that there's, there's an option there for you. Of course, you can always find the podcast on iTunes, Google play and elsewhere. And we hope that if you haven't already subscribed, that you take a moment and hit the subscribe button on your mobile or other listening device. So what was the number one highlight for you, Jacob from SHOT Show? The people, Um, And I I hope that's not a total cop out,
1: but you know, our industry is full of wonderful people. And a lot of you who are listening to this, you might sometimes feel alone. You might feel like, you know, on occasion you go to the gun club or the range and you do see some other like-minded individuals and uh, that's kind of the exposure you get. Um, You know, for for the rest of you, you know, you you live in Wyoming and everyone's a like-minded individual, but, but for some of us, you know, going to SHOT Show, you're surrounded by tens of thousands of people who think the same way you do and believe in the same things you do. And you know what? With with very few exceptions, they're good peeps. They're just good people. And man, we rub shoulders with so many amazing people. It's good to see friends from companies that we have good relationships with, like, uh, you know, the cert guys, next level training guys, or LASR, or the six hour people—it's um, also really good to create relationships um, with people that we didn't already know very well, like like the people at Glock or the people at Safari Land or at Streamlight or whatever it might be. So there's so much uh, good, you know, shoulder rubbing. It's really unfortunate in some ways that Shot Show is not open to anyone to attend. It is, you know, restricted to certain kinds of professionals. But uh, I would encourage you to attend things like the NRA annual meetings or other you know, industry expos like that so you can, you can see how amazing the people are that, that are in this industry.
0: Yeah, that's a great answer. You know, in, an interesting thing for me, Jacob, and I would almost consider this a highlight, is that I didn't know what to expect with this year's show. You know, this last year has been a trying year for many in the industry. Uh, in fact, we saw that at the show. We saw where many vendors were able to now get booths on the main floor of the show. They were able to move up from the basement uh, or, the, or or new folks that were able to get access into and get, get, a, get a spot in the show for the first time ever. And a lot of that is unfortunately because there's been a number of businesses that have gone out of business in this last year, especially in the last six months. Uh, you know, I, I wasn't sure what to expect. I thought maybe there'd be kind of this doom and gloom feeling as we got there. I didn't feel like it was doom and gloom. I did feel like the show was smaller, but I felt like it was higher quality in a lot of ways. And there were some fantastic products released, a big highlight. Uh, it's been talked about quite a bit already. Uh, I still think it's worthy to talk about. I think it's a pretty amazing new product, and that's from SIG, and that is the P365 pistol. But we also saw some great products uh, like the the Type B, Type B from um, – um, they used to be Arsenal, Arsenal Firearms. What are they called now? I'm, I'm having a Ar- brain fart. Archon or something yeah, like Archon, that? there you go. Yeah. Thank you. Archon Firearms. That was, that's, a, that's a cool gun. And, and they're really kind of hitting, hitting the ground running this year with that. I think we'll be seeing a lot more of those out there. It's a promising platform for sure. Caracal had some really cool stuff, uh, both on the carbine side of things as well with the uh, enhanced F model of their pistol. Really cool gun there. Uh, we, we saw new guns from Ruger. Uh, the security nine we we saw new guns from uh, Springfield Armory. we saw new guns from a bunch of bunch of companies and we also find those little nuggets you know those those special little products uh, along the way i mean we found this uh this new backpack uh, I know this was a big one for you and I'll let you touch on it jacob the uh, allen uh, company with their backpack product, right
1: yeah, the Arsenal tactical backpack, and you know, it's it's very affordable. It's it's I think it retails for a hundred bucks, and uh, if you go check our YouTube channel, you can get a coupon code for half off. That's good for just enough, a couple more days. But uh, yeah, you know, it's just amazing that it, it was a clever backpack. It's just a good range bag. Uh, too many people are just grabbing an old school backpack and throwing stuff in it to go to the range, and this is a, a bag that's meant for that purpose and uh, does a good job carrying the guns and ammo. There's a lot of little products like that, though. To your to your point, that you just kind of run into you're like, oh, that's that's interesting. Um, there's a company out there making a new a couple of new training pistols that were out there uh, at the shot show. One called the Sim Seventeen, and it's a a little overpriced, or at least I should say a little bit hard for the average consumer to to afford but it actually has a racking slide so similar to like a cert pistol or something but with a racking slide um so you know there's a lot of a lot of cool little you know things like that out there
0: yeah yeah that it, it's really cool to see innovation in, in the industry uh that 717 yes it's kind of an expensive product but it's a really cool product um cool fire i think was there i don't know if that was their first time i think it may have been
1: mm, cool I think fire
0: so. the cool fire trainer uh, really cool product as well. Uh, Mike Seeklander has been pushing that one a bunch. He's a, he's a big fan. I'm a big fan too. I just haven't been able to to get a hold of one for myself yet. Um, you know, so there's a lot of great training products. Uh, we see increased competition in in that in that realm with more training pistols coming to the market, but also on the software side of things as well. We see really cool things coming from our buddies at. Uh, Uh, LASR laser app now they've they've rebranded into what is it shooters tech shooter shooter tech something yep because they're they're planning on doing a lot more with the training software and hardware you introduced that just a moment ago with that shot timer device it plugs into most mobile phones and with their app you're able to base you're, you're able to have a legitimate shot timer on your phone and that's really cool Because, you know, the the current shot timers in the various app stores with mobile devices don't work very well. And the biggest limitation is the hardware. And they've got that great little uh, shot timer, you know, plug-in device that improves the hardware side of it. So you get a a much better microphone and speaker that integrates with the the shot timer software. So you get a, a pretty, you know, pretty robust shot timer in the form of a mobile app
1: yeah yeah no there there are a lot of little things like that you know a lot of good cleaning products otis had a couple of new products um yep uh, real avid had a couple new things out there there are also some like what i would call like flop like just weird weird products um you know i i i I know that we should i should hold out judgment until i've tried it myself but i still am very dubious about the alien gear you know fan built into it holster uh
0: right and and that was just a really an idea i don't even know you could call it a prototype what they had there
1: yeah we'll, we'll we'll see where where that one flies um there are a lot of things like that but but yeah all all around uh, it was it was a good event i mean i think we saw a lot of good products for those of you who aren't already subscribed make sure you're subscribed to our youtube channel that's where the vast majority of the shot show uh, updates and things are going out in addition to, to the podcast uh, we're publishing even now you know videos that we recorded while we were there uh, highlighting and demonstrating a lot of products.
0: Yeah, yeah, the YouTube channel really exploded this last week. Uh, so go check it out. Lots of great content there for sure. Concealedcarry.com dot com on YouTube. If you actually write out concealedcarry dot, as in dot com, that'll get you to our YouTube channel on YouTube. Uh, go subscribe, check out the the great content there. We just released another uh, video today on the U.S. Army's M17 pistol. That's the Sig Sauer P320 uh, M17 edition. And Sig is coming out with a M17 civilian model as well. That'll be coming to the market, they they think, second quarter. Um, So if you're into that kind of thing, you know, it's a it's a good looking gun. The color of it's amazing. I like the full length slide on that more compact or that shortened dust cover. I just think it looks better than the full length dust cover and rail that is typical on the full size uh, P320s. Um, you can get the manual safety version or the non manual safety version, whichever floats your boat. And I'll tell you what on those Sig three twenty manual safety models, that's a that's a pretty decent little manual safety. I like the way it operates. It you know functions just like a nineteen eleven uh, safety. It's frame mounted as opposed to you know slide mounted. That was a big problem with the Beretta M nine. Uh, you didn't run the risk of knocking your safety on as you're racking the slide or whatever you know. And it, it just it fits right under the thumb. It's very operable. Another big highlight was speaking of, of frame mounted safeties, uh, <laughs> the uh, Springfield Armory nine one one. Cool little gun. I I know some people are saying, "Hey, it's just a Sig P two thirty eight or a Colt Mustang three eighty copy." Uh, I actually kind of like it more than the other options that are out there from other manufacturers. Some of that is, I think, very specific to their choice of of stippling and grips. Uh, it it's just a sol- it, it, but it's a solid little shooter, and it shoots well. The safety, it's a ambidextrous safety. Works, it works great for a single-action gun. A G10 trigger, as opposed to aluminum or steel, I thought, I thought that was interesting. The trigger was really nice on that gun. I'm not a big 380 fan, but that gun was a heck of a shooter. If that, if that sort of gun, if that platform floats your boat, I would definitely encourage you to check out the Springfield Armory 911. And then also we got to look at the Glock, uh, 19 X, which was essentially, you know, now that's Glock civilian model. Uh, it was their entry into the MHS contract with the U S army that they did not win. Uh, the 19 X got my hands on it, shot it. Hey, you know, it's a great shooter, but you know, at the end of the day, I got done shooting it. I'm like, you know, a Glock as a Glock as a Glock, uh, For for many people out there, I think it's going to be a fine gun. It's uh, you know, I full length grip, short slide, whatever. I know they're shooting. They're they're already selling a bunch of a bunch of them though. So um, looks like it'll be a popular seller for them. It's a good gun, and we got the Gen Five G G twenty six and the Gen Five G thirty four and the MOS configuration. Also great guns. I mean, basically what we have are. Glocks with flared magwells, except for in the case of the clock 26 improved triggers, improved barrels. They shoot good. I have no problem. You know, I mean, they're, they're good guns. Check them out.
1: Yeah. Uh, Char- Charlie asks, what was the new thing for Mantis X that they teased before the show? So Mantis X rolled out an update and you should already have it in your app. Uh, when you next time you open up your Mantis X app, but two, two kind of major things. One is, uh, the idea of groups, so you can kind of create a training group. So we could go in there if we wanted. We could create a Guardian Nation group if we wanted, and uh, people could be invited or join that group. And you kind of can share uh, training data and drills and and things like that within a group. And then also courses. Um, uh, courses can be created, you know, and a course can consist of ver- you know various uh, you know, set of of drills in a specific order, and those can be shared you know publicly or or within a group as well. So those are some of the updates from Antisax. And I'll add one other important update from Antisax is that. Um, I beat Riley on the leaderboard.
0: I never actually made it down there to, to get on the leaderboard to the beginning. Well, that, that's,
1: that's how I beat you as I went, I went down to their booth without Riley and um, they do a daily leaderboard. And so I went uh, both on Thursday and Friday and I got onto the top 10 both those days. And neither of those days, Riley was even on the leaderboard. So, <laughs> so I figure that counts as, as me having finally beat Riley
0: on the Mantis X leaderboard. I will let you pretend that I went and tried and, and like they have an imaginary cutoff line at 75% and I didn't make it to 75%. I'll let you. <laughs> I, I, you know, I did talk to the Mantis X guys. I just didn't actually get to. Do the shooting test. So I was kind of bummed about that because I always enjoy a little bit of a competition. Yeah. I think hey, I would have done well. But for well. those
1: of you who who have a Mantis X, just in case you're curious, the average shooter who walks up to their booth, picks up the gun, and does a 10-shot average is going to score in the 70s. In order to get on their, you know, top 10 um, leaderboard on an average day at their booth, you probably got to shoot above ninety-three uh, percent. so that kind of gives you some ideas next time you guys go out with your with your Mantis X, you can shoot for those numbers.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) speaking of the show, right. Speaking of like not being able to accomplish everything that we wanted to accomplish, we recorded 14 different interviews throughout the week, throughout SHOT Show. That's just for the Concealed Carry podcast. And we announced in an episode last week, that we have this new Not Your Average Gun Girls podcast, which is, which is launching this week, Uh, Thursday, the very first episodes of that podcast will go live. And you'll want to check it out, especially you ladies out there. You will want to see or listen to the Not Your Average Gun Girls podcast uh, talking about, you know, women's issues with shooting, uh, fashion, clothing, choices, holsters, guns, whatever. And they kick it off with a bang with a fantastic interview with Hannah Billido from uh, Sig Sauer uh, Academy um, and many, many others that, that come after that. So you're going to check that out. But in total, uh, I, I either recorded... For myself, for the concealed carry podcast, fourteen interviews, or well, plus excuse me, so plus eight more episodes that I pr- produced as a producer with the Not Your Average Gun Girls podcast. So, twenty-two episodes we did last week as part of the Shot Show. Uh, I was a busy dude. I was <laughs> running around recording interviews like crazy. We we are thankful to Glock, uh, Springfield Armory, Excess Sites, Sig Sauer and Safari Land, NHK, actually, for all inviting us into their booths and letting us take some of their time. And in some cases, they, they gave us the main focal point of their booth to come in and record interviews. It was fantastic. And a lot of great content coming. So look forward to it, everyone.
1: Yeah, that, that was amazing. And uh, just in case there's any confusion about the upcoming podcast, so the podcast we're launching uh, as a company on Thursday will be a separate feed, so yep. you will not get access to it unless you subscribe to it independently, and obviously we'll
0: share more of those details as it comes. Yeah. You'll want to search. It'll be on iTunes. It'll be on Google play. It'll be everywhere that the concealed carry podcast is, and it'll be part of our concealed carry.com family or network of, of content and podcasts, but you'll need to go search, not your average gun girls on iTunes or whatever, uh, get subscribed. So also, uh, yeah. And I just see Jacob posted, uh, that, and this is for, for those that are only able to listen, you'll want to go check out the video we did with the Allen Company's Arsenal Tactical Backpack, which allows you to transport a bunch of different handguns and all of your range gear. It's basically a range bag. that's really well designed and you just throw on your back and they still have a half-off promotion going on. If you go to the YouTube video, watch that Arsenal uh, backpack video and there is a special offer, how to get one of those for half-off. Definitely worth it, worth your while. Go check it out. All righty. So, Jacob, let's get into some news stories. Uh, although, hey, folks, let us know, too, if you were at SHOT Show or if you were following the coverage, anything that you found interesting or intriguing uh, that you want to, you know, share with us, we, we definitely would love to hear. If, of course, if you're listening, you can email us at podcast at concealedcarry.com. And those on Facebook, you know, do your thing. We'd love to hear from you. All righty. So, first up, news stories. This is, um, there's, there's a particular reason why I had this one first and I'll, I'll explain why in just a moment here, this story, Jacob, uh, you, you might think it's like a justified story. I don't know what to classify it as exactly in that, in that regard, but the story goes, and this just happened a few days ago here in Denver, uh, where you and I basically, we, we live in suburbs of Denver. Uh, there's, there's two men there that were shot dead, and a third person, a woman, was critically injured uh, after a shooting that took place in southeast Denver. And the story goes, as reported on Fox 31, uh, KDVR.com, uh, that there was an altercation, an argument that, that occurred. Okay, so this happened just outside of, the, uh, of a community center in South, Southeast Denver, the Eritrean Community Center. Uh, I'm not sure what if I'm saying that right. But basically, folks, uh, uh, witnesses said they, they saw an argument taking place. Uh, what started as an argument, it says, eventually spilled from the event center. So it sounds like it started inside and spilled its way outside into the parking lot. And at one point, uh, a man got out of a car wearing a hoodie, it says, and he zeroed in on a group of people and opened fire. Two people dead, like I said, two men, and a woman critically injured. I highlight the story, Jacob, because later we're going to talk about another story that has a, has a commonality, and that is that this started out as an argument. And in this case, it ended up very tragically, we don't know who is the good guy, who's the bad guy, or if there even is a good or bad guy. Well, I guess there's a bad guy, obviously, but you you see my point, though, it started out as an argument, and it now has ended up with shots being fired and people are dead.
1: Yeah, you know, this is a tough one, because I'd like to believe that we all have the right to be out and about wherever we want, right? We, we should all be safe all the time in the society. We should be able to go to a nightclub if we want or go to a, the bar and watch the game or be shopping at three in the morning, you know, if that's your heart's desire. Uh, but at the end of the day, unfortunately, that's not the case. And so if, for me, the biggest thing I, I think of when I read these kinds of stories is, man, I, that's just not a place I'm going to go. I'm not going to go spend time in, in a place like that. I'm not going to come out of a, a nightclub at, at, you know, early hours of the morning. That's just not my MO. Um, but I think the main takeaway, you know, above and beyond that is despite your lifestyle, what you may do, or where you might go, you'd be prepared. And I think that's, as you said, the contrasting news story we're about to share or we will share here in a moment uh, is, is kind of tells that story.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, why we are having arguments that are turning into shootings. I don't know. I caution you in this regard Stay tuned. We've got a story coming up where it's a similar story. It ends, I would say, a little bit differently. In that case, it appears to be more of a justified type shooting. But anyway, our number one thing, our number one priority is, you know, in, in the case of an altercation is to try not to escalate the matter. In this case, escalate to the point that shots were fired. Your number one defense is first to avoid the encounter in the first place. So don't let it get to that point. We have an interview with uh, Andrew Branca that we recorded last week during SHOT Show, and Andrew is the, is the man when it comes to understanding self-defense law, and we kind of touch on that in, the, in that interview with him as well, so that'll be a good one when, when we get that actually published. Next story is from the NY New York Daily News, nydailynews.com. This is actually an opinion pl- piece written by Mr. John Lott and uh Senator excuse me congressman he's uh, representative Thomas Massey from Kentucky and the, it's it 's talking about this horrific shooting that happened in Kentucky just a few days ago, just last week uh, there's a school shooting that happened at a uh, at the Marshall County high School uh, and you know two two students were shot and killed, fourteen others were wounded in that, and the suspect he's been he was arrested uh, he will be facing charges was a 15 year old student there at the school there's still not a lot known as far as the exact motivations behind this although there are there are sources that have said you know he may have been bullied um, that he was maybe not the most popular kid in the school it seemed like he was he was liked by some students but but maybe was getting bullied by some others and that may have you know had a part to play into this uh, but you know we don't we don't know the full story and we'll probably find this out as we get into uh more coverage on there, there there's obviously going to be a trial or something that that is going to take place on this so i mean what is your assessment of this kentucky shooting jacob
1: uh, man you know this is hard right because you know, you, you got idiots out there Who are you know? Something like this happens to say, "Hey, we got to strengthen our gun laws," you know, and and what are they out there, you know, talking about? They're talking about background checks, and they're talking about you know getting rid of assault rifles, and you know, neither of which would have stopped this this attack at all, right? I mean. When a when a kid who's not even eligible to own a gun and, and you know can't can't have a background check run, uh, starts start shooting people, then having more background checks wouldn't wouldn't have solved squat, right? And he didn't he didn't use a firearm uh, that is is being you know touted as too dangerous for citizens to own. So, you know, if if all the wonderful, you know, popular gun control laws of the world have been passed, this this still would have happened just the same way. So that that's one thing to consider. Now on the flip side. I, I am sympathetic with the argument that, well, if we just got rid of more guns, right? If we, if we had universal background checks and we, 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 you know, we did all these things to kind of, you know, keep the, the scary guns away from, from people. And we have passed laws that they have to be locked up, you know, so that, so the kids like this can, then maybe, maybe we could stop some of these things. You know, that, that's not completely crazy, but the problem is at what cost, you know, there, there, I, I totally believe that there are laws we could pass that would stop some violent gun-related crime and some tragedies. I, I totally believe that. The problem is all the other things that those gun laws would do uh, that may or may not make it worth it. You know, when you when you make it harder for citizens to defend themselves from criminals, then you know you might stop this or that tragedy, but then you also create a bunch more tragedies, and and that's that's not okay. And so we we got to have a better you know idea of what. What we're sacrificing when when these laws are proposed because we can't deny the fact that to some degree some of these arguments do make sense though in, in this particular case background checks and assault weapon bans and magazine capacity limitations would have done squat diddly uh to stop or to, to, to you know, limit this this attack so that's that's my my first thought on this um my second thought and, and you know as this kind of article kind of speaks to this idea is well, who's, who's going to be there for our kids? You know, who's going to be yeah. in the school to stop these kinds of tragedies? You and I both have kids in elementary school. Uh, yeah, yeah. Your oldest is not yet in the middle school, right? He's still in elementary school?
0: Uh, he's, yeah, fifth grade.
1: Yeah, yeah. So so both you and my kids are all uh, either in an elementary school setting or you you still have one and a half at home. So what that, what that you know, thinking about our kids, it's like, well, who's there to help them? And what do they do? They lock doors? I know. You know that someone's got to ring a doorbell and wave in order to get into the school. That's that's their system. Um, that, that's their whole their whole whopping plan. But that's not going to help squad if one of the kids in the middle school sticks a gun in their backpack and walks in. You know, like they do every other day, and then starts shooting. But, that doesn't help anything. We, we as a society, I don't know if we can afford economically to stick cops in schools, at least enough cops to actually stop these kinds of incidents. We're talking about a significant economic impact, uh, and so we start talking about the good old, well, let's arm the faculty and 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 the teachers and stuff, and, and or allow the school to be able to hire a you know, private security uh, guard or something like that. And that that's where these
0: conversations inevitably lead to. Yeah, you know, <laughs> boy it's such a touchy subject, right? I mean, you, you bring up our own kids. They're in schools. They're incredibly vulnerable in those schools. There's not security officers in those schools. There's not anyone that's actively doing anything to protect them other than keeping the perimeter of that building secure. And with the hope that someone doesn't somehow force their way in, barge their way in, uh, shoot their way in. Uh, it's not that hard to gain access, you know, no offense. Uh, it's it's completely at the whim. Uh, we're, we're at the mercy of somebody, you know, not choosing our particular school on a particular day, uh, the way things currently are. You know, federal law currently prohibits you to be able to go into these schools with a gun, uh, unless in certain states you might have provisions where, and this is true in Colorado, but we don't see a lot of it yet, and it's certainly a difficult thing to achieve. For most school districts, where in 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 Colorado, you can actually have, you know, security personnel. Uh, they can they can actually be teachers that are trained and and uh, uh, authorized by the school district to provide security, and they can carry guns. But we don't see a lot of that yet. Uh, what we do see happening here in Kentucky is that Congressman Thomas Massey is. Pro- proposing legislation that is called the state, the safe students act and would repeal parts of the federal criminal code that prohibit the possession of a firearm in a school zone. This would make it easier for adults with concealed handgun permits to defend themselves and students. Just a couple of days ago, there was a father who's a police officer who was off duty in California, someplace where he heard of a lockdown going on at his child's school because of something going on in the neighborhood. He got his gun and he went to the school because he wanted to make sure that his children that attend that school and all the other children there were protected. He ended up getting arrested because he was on school property with his gun and he was an off-duty cop. That may not have happened, by the way, in, in, in all jurisdictions, uh, but this was in California. So he is facing criminal charges. Even though he felt like he was trying to do what he needed to do to protect his kids, because he didn't know what the heck was going on, uh, as the as other police were chasing a wanted man in that in that neighborhood near the school. The fact is, it's interesting to me that you know we we are sometimes demon demonizing good people, lawful law abiding citizens, uh, perhaps even cops in that instance uh, that are not able to properly defend themselves and their children on school properties like states like Utah, where you can carry concealed inside even K through 12 schools in the state of Utah. And how many school shootings have we seen there, Jacob? Yeah, none. Yeah,
1: Utah is always the example we point at because it's the only one. It's the only state where, you know, even elementary, junior high and high schools allow uh, or don't restrict, better put, don't restrict concealed carry by those who are or who have a concealed carry permit, which means that you know a large number of faculty uh, can can carry, yeah, or could you know could carry if they had a permit. So, yeah, that that's a great one to point at, and they've been doing that now for for a long geez, time. over over 15 years. That's been the case in Utah, and, and we still don't see any issues there. We've had one negligent discharge that you know, resulted in some minor injuries and had nothing to do with you know, students jumping their teacher and t- wrestling the gun away or some ridiculous thing that, that people would, would have you believe could happen. So, yeah, is that the only solution? I don't know that it is. I mean, you know, we saw after Sandy Hook, the NRA straight-up proposed that we just need to put security guards in schools, that we just need cops there. And that's you know if we could figure out economically how to how to pull that off, I don't think that's a bad idea either. I, I certainly think that having a concealed carry permit holder with with some degree of training is better than not having one. With yeah. with some, you know, but but is that the ideal? Is that the, the the one you know way to to solve this problem completely? Probably not.
0: Right by itself. Well, and, and there. <sighs> once again we have to talk about what is the root cause of situations like this of of mass shootings of school shootings and so forth let's shift the, let's shift gears a little bit here and certainly anyone listening i'm curious i'd love to know your thoughts if you got any ideas anything you like to throw out there let us know but check out this news story from also from nydailynews.com titled kentucky's governor calls gun violence a cultural problem days after a fatal school shooting you know and i know this is kind of a controversial thing, right? Because, I mean, you just have this school shooting happen in your state, you know, you as the Kentucky governor. uh, That's a tragic event. Uh, Emotions are running high. Uh, People are calling for more gun control, uh, which, as we've touched on, likely wouldn't even prevent this from happening necessarily in the first place. And you as the state governor comes out and you say, this is, we we got, it's, it's not about gun control. It's about solving or fixing a cultural problem as he sees it. And I'm curious your thoughts, Jacob, on this idea of, you know, the, the state of our culture and our nation and it, what what role that's playing in these mass shootings.
1: Yeah, here's, here's a quote uh, from the governor. He says, we have become desensitized to death. We have become desensitized to killing. We've become desensitized to empathy for our fellow man. And it's coming at an extraordinary price as we have to look at the root cause of this, and then he continues, we can't celebrate death in video games, celebrate death in TV shows, celebrate death in movies, celebrate death in musical lyrics, and remove any sense of morality and sense of higher authority, and then expect things like this are not going to happen. So he, he, in some things, he's very specific, and I don't know that I would jump on some of the bandwagons as to the specifics. I don't think it's really that, that, that uh, you know, important to the conversation. But generally speaking, I think he's dead on. I think we have to say, what is wrong with our society? Uh, when, when you have a kid walk into school and shoot some other 15-year-olds, that that seems mind-blowing, right? That seems like a significant, significant issue that goes way above and beyond the availability of a firearm. Uh, now, does the availability of a firearm make it so that worse things happen than otherwise might have happened? That's debatable. And so we could have conversations uh, about that. And I, I, I welcome those conversations. But um, what I think is more important here, and, and I think it's very appropriate for the governor to, have, to say this is that we got bigger issues when kids want to do these things, when they're capable of carrying out these kinds of crimes. And uh, when, when people ask me that question, when people say, you know, hey, what do we do about all these mass shootings? This is always my answer. Me, me and Kentucky, Kentucky Governor Matt Bevan, we're on the same page. Uh, the answer is, you know, fix the family. You know, f- fix the core unit of society, which is which is the family, uh, where kids are being raised in such a way as, as to to believe that this they, that this is okay, or that they should do this, or they can resort to this, and that they are even emotionally capable of carrying out killing, mm-hmm. is is to me mind blowing. It's completely you know, crazy.
0: It, and those are all valid points. And I, I'm going to go a little bit deeper on this, and also go so far as to say that that what you said may be true in many instances, but I don't know that that's necessarily the case in this instance, as far as like, I don't think this young man, this 15 year old boy that committed this shooting in Kentucky was raised to think that, uh, at least by his parents anyway, was raised to think it's okay to, you know, shoot people, kill people because you know, they, they made you mad or whatever. Right. Like I don't think that's the case at all in his situation. Um, but what I have to wonder Jacob is, are we setting up our children to fail sometimes in not teaching them, not taking an active role to teach them how to deal with interpersonal problems in a healthy way? Because what it, what it seems to me from my point of view, and I'd love to you know hear everyone else's thoughts on this as well, is that we have kids that are being raised in a way that their feelings get hurt they get bullied, they get pushed around, and they, they don't know how to deal with that. They don't know how to solve that other than to resort to violence, which is what they see in the media and in the video games and so forth, right? And so they, they snap and they lash out with violence as opposed to, I mean, by the way, growing up, I was not the most popular kid in school, you know? And like I didn't, I didn't, you know, how did I deal with that? Uh, I, I brushed it off my shoulder. I said, I don't care. Like I'm Riley T. Bowen. I'm, I'm my own dude. Like I'm going to do whatever I want to do, you know, within the, <laughs> I'm not gonna do like whatever. Right. You know, uh, I, I'm going to be me and other people might think that I'm goofy or weird or whatever. And that's fine. Like, I don't care, but I, I you know, my, my parents, my mom, my dad, the example they set for me was to love others to be understanding, to, you know, not let others that say bad things about me get to me, right? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but (laughs) names will never hurt me, right? And I, you know, I just wonder, like, so, I mean, what you're saying, I think is true, Jacob, about kids being raised uh, in this more violent culture, maybe finding that more acceptable, but is, is it that or is it a more indirect thing where they're maybe not being taught the skills they need to interpersonally relate and solve problems for themselves. Um, is it, is it, is it an issue with technology? Is it an issue with, you know, not developing interpersonal skills because we're not, you know, we're, we're spending too much time texting and Facebooking and stuff. I mean, I, I know I'm throwing out a lot there, but what's your response? Yeah. I mean, my answer is yes to all that. Right. I, I, I think the
1: point is that the focus needs to be on the humans and not on the tools I think that's, that's the takeaway here. And, and the central you know, unit of society is the family. It's the core, it's the root. That's where we have to address these issues. So we've got to ask ourselves, what is it we're doing in the household? What, what is happening in a family unit where that's becoming acceptable? And, and I'm not talking about blaming parents entirely. I'm talking about societal issues as well that put parents at a disadvantage uh, in trying to teach those morals and create that, that right kind of environment. So the, the answer is yes to all that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Be involved in your kids' life. Spend time with them. Teach them the right way. A really good uh, comment here from Zenith Defense watching uh, on Facebook. He says, uh, in an effort to protect feelings, people have lost the ability to cope with the inherent challenges of life. Uh, Ditto. Um, And Brandon says, physical discipline hardly exists in today's parenting, so there's a disconnect for the children when you explain pain. Uh, And certainly, I mean, I don't want to go off on a tangent here as far as uh different parenting philosophies and, and uh physical discipline or whatever, you know, but, but, but the, I just wonder, you know, in the, in this day and age where we see, I see it amongst my children's peers with the helicopter parenting, you know, and parents being like almost going too far and being so involved. I, I guess, what did I just say? I just said, be involved in your children's lives, right? Spend time with them. And if you go too far and you spend it's not about, I don't know that you can spend too much time with your kids. It's about how you spend that time. And if you are, as a parent are being the one that's constantly solving your children's problems, then they're not learning how to grow up and do that for themselves. And then when, when life doesn't go their way, they don't what to do. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know that I can add anything more that would be productive. Yep. Well, Anyway, send us your thoughts. Once again, you can email podcast at concealedcarry.com. We'd definitely love to hear from you and respond to you if you have anything additional or valuable to add to the conversation. Shifting now to a Utah story. uh, This one where a Utah man was found guilty of selling kits to convert semi-automatic weapons into machine guns or fully automatic weapons. Uh, This story uh, out of Salt Lake City, and. I'd seen this story kind of, you know, there's been a few updates over the last year or two. I mean, this, uh, he was, uh, arrested and charged back in 2016. His name is Scott Ray Bishop. Uh, and from 2013 to 2016, he manufactured and sold over 1400 of these kits made from aluminum that basically when placed, you know, inside the trigger group, uh, portion of the ar-15 platform rifles converted them from semi-automatic to fully automatic his argument was once the kit is sold whose responsibility is it to make sure it stays within the confines of the law implying that it would be the user and that he had no personal uh, liability nor had he broken the law in manufacturing these kits this guy had a lot of arguments he had to make as each one of his arguments
1: fell apart <laughs> in, in court. Um, what was clear from, from, you know, the evidence presented is that he had a rough idea that what he was doing was illegal uh, at very least, or he, he acknowledged that the way he interpreted the law was not the way that everybody else interpreted the law um, at, at, you know, at best case scenario. And so, you know, what he did was illegal and that, that, Became very clear and evident. Um, if any of you out there are you know kitchen table gunsmiths, I mean this is this is a shout out. This is a warning. A couple times a year we see people arrested for modifying firearms, uh, you know to a, to a point that makes them illegal, that makes them an NFA controlled firearm, or selling products that do that. So be cautious on the receiving end if you're thinking about buying something like that, and also be cautious on the gun tooling end if you're you know the one doing the modifications or or selling a product that does that. All that is wrong, bad, and illegal.
0: That's right. Uh, you know, so there's actually a, a comment here from uh, Brandon, actually two comments. He says, most states you can buy and have them in your, in your possession without a crime being committed until it's installed. A response to that would be, and this was a, a key argument in this case. Uh, and, and by the way, Mr. Bishop, he responded to a similar argument saying, you know, I read the Gun Control Act quite a bit different than other people. But it's not in, What's important is not how you read the law, but how the court reads and interprets the law. And in this case, uh, yeah, it didn't. It didn't go so well for him. Uh, I was trying to find there was a there was a there was a really good quote here or, or uh, from this article that explains it pretty clearly. Um, I'll find it up here. Another quote or another comment from Brandon. Amazon is se- selling full auto kits for a while. Yeah, and we reported on that on the podcast. Uh, Of course, that got you know (laughs) that was put to an end. Um, But the the way the federal law, according in the and this this was true in this court case, was that you know making or possessing or whatever those automatic uh, kits, whether they were installed or not, was not legal, Uh, and and that he he was known to have been selling this to individuals that couldn't legally possess those and so yeah he he's toast he's going to jail for a long time he's a big trouble yeah and, and by the way where it comes to gun related law particularly if the atf or the federal government is going to be involved when in doubt yeah stay out just not don't don't go there <laughs> it's not worth it it is not worth it all righty Let's get to this story. This one's really fascinating to me, Jacob. This is from gunwatch.blogspot.com. I think we've we featured them on the podcast a time or two. May I? Yeah. Yeah, this one can
1: be confusing. Uh, at least it was for me when I first read it. So I'm, I'm going to approach this from a slightly different angle and give you some context and then we'll give you some detail. Totally. The FBI keeps track of justifiable homicides, meaning that the FBI keeps track of a number of times in a given year or period of time in which someone is killed, and that is deemed legal, that's justified, right? So, you know, a lot of the DGU-type stories, justified stories that we share— would qualify as justified homicides, bad guy attacks, good guy, good guy fires back, bad guy dies. That's a justifiable homicide. And so we, you know, having a number a statistic related to that is kind of handy. And as it says here in 2016, the FBI uh, counted 331 justified homicides for private persons. So that gives you an idea, you know, of kind of the number that, that they're measuring. So in 2016, that's how many they counted. Now, this, this article is making the argument that these numbers are grossly underreported, that there's actually a significantly higher number of justified homicides than are being reported because of felony, the felony murder rule. And let me, let me explain how that works. So the felony murder rule essentially says that if two bad guys go to commit a crime and one of them dies, the other bad guy can be charged with the murder of his cohort. Okay, so if you know, Jack and Jill go to rob somebody, good guy shoots Jill, we're going to charge Jack with the murder of Jill. Even though he didn't shoot Jill, some good good person did in their defense, Jack can be, can be charged with first degree murder because he is an accomplice in the crime via which Jill died. Okay, now when this happens, when Jack and Jill go and rob somebody and someone shoots Jill and Jack is charged, that does not get counted in the FBI statistics of justified homicides, even though it was one, right? A good guy defended themselves and shot Jill. Jill is dead. Normally that would be counted as a justified homicide, but because we charge Jack with first degree murder due to the felony murder rule this this death this killing of Jill is going to be counted as a murder and not a justified homicide even though it was one so because the the way the FBI does the calculations they can't put this in two different buckets so they put it in the bucket of of a homicide of a murder uh, of a, right. of a murder and not a justified homicide
0: does does right. that make sense so it's not getting double counted it's not getting counted as a justifiable homicide and as a homicide, you know, meaning that the accomplice in that crime was charged with the murder. And that's a really important thing. So, so here's, here is a statistic. It says that uh, in 2016 for private persons, there were 331 justified homicides recorded by the FBI UCR. That's a uniform crime reports database. Okay. So 331 justified homicides recorded by the FBI in, in, in uh, 2016. The FBI UCR estimated the number of murders total total number to be seventeen, and this not this would not include the justified ones, right? That three hundred thirty one number would be seventeen thousand two hundred fifty for the same year. Now, what this is basically saying is they estimate about twenty percent, or that only twenty percent of justified homicides are being counted, because the rest of them may be being counted as. Charges, you know, where the accomplice of the crime is being the one that's charged, and thus it's counted in the in the general homicide statistic, but not in the justified homicide statistic. So that the justified homicide statistic could actually be five times greater than what we currently think it is. And in fact, here's an interesting one: the real number of
1: justified homicides is close to ten percent of all homicides. So that would mean that in in that year, 2016 of the 17,250 murders, that close to 1700 of them might've been justified instead of the 331 number we're currently operating on. That is significant. When we make the argument that, you know, we can't have gun control laws because they disarm the common citizen and remove their ability to defend themselves it makes a big difference if we're talking about the frequency at which that happens an armed citizen defending themselves uh, and and someone dying in, in you know because of that, whether that's one percent or ten percent of all homicides. That's a significantly massively different statistic.
0: It is Now why is this important? It's important because each week we, you know listeners, on this podcast, we share these stories these justified stories, these justified homicides where guns make a difference in someone's life. Guns save lives. And that number is significant because that tells us that there's potentially five times this 331 number. So like 16 or 1700 people and maybe more each year, whose lives are potentially saved because they were able to defend themselves typically with a gun. Well, and even, even that is a way low number, right? Because this, this is, Correct. we're
1: only measuring in the case where people actually die, you know? Correct. So if I, if I draw my gun and de-escalate the situation without shooting at all, or if I happen to shoot somebody to save my own life, but then they survive those don't even count at all. That, that, that's, not, that's completely above and beyond the statistics we're looking at here. This is purely looking at you know incidents where
0: someone dies due to somebody else's action. That's right. Yep. So this is a, a significant finding and uh, just, I mean, really, really cool. You heard it here on the Concealed to Carry podcast and we thank gunwatch.blogspot.com for this article. It's a fantastic article. Go check it out. As always, our news articles are in the show notes of each week's episode. Shifting gears now to another blog, gunfreezone.net. It's a relatively short article, but it comes with some really key points. I'm going to, you know, go, go through a couple of these individually here. First off, the title of the article is when you outlaw X. And by that, I think they're implying when you outlaw this or that, or this other thing, It doesn't necessarily mean that it stops those things from being used, particularly in crimes. So London, it says, is having a huge spike in gun crime. Now, we reported just a month or two ago, Jacob, we had an episode where we talked about knife crime in the UK and how it's up like 36% um, across the UK. This says that gun crime in London has increased 42%. Now, by the way, each of these statements, it comes with linked articles to UK publications with the data, okay? 42% increase in gun crime in the UK. This is interesting, right? Because the article goes on to say, this improbably in a city in a nation that has banned handguns and made gun ownership impossibly difficult. Knife crime, according to this article, says it's up 23%. That's a little bit lower than the other uh, article that we talked about a while back. But still, we know that that we're definitely seeing a trend here that knife crime and gun crime both have uh, really gone up. And this is just in the last year or two or three. I mean, very recent history here, we're seeing this huge spike all of a sudden. All right. It also says here that there's a lot of information that's missing from these reports. (laughs) Then it goes on. So let's turn to Sweden. Police in Sweden are turning up AK-47s at crime scenes, and gangs are roaming the streets with them. There have been so many hand grenade attacks in Sweden, there is a Wikipedia page that lists them, and police are having to have a hand grenade amnesty for people to turn them in. (laughs) What the heck is going on here, Jacob? Yeah, I'd call that a problem. You know, when there's so many
1: hand grenades on the street that you, you have to have a program, whereas people can turn them in without legal prosecution, you have a problem. And, you know, it's interesting because the article kind of goes on to make the argument that, you know, there's plenty of people who, you know, are able to you know get guns in other countries in Europe and Asia, and they bring them into these other countries. And then he goes on to make the argument that, you know, look down at what's going on in Mexico. You got the Mexican cartels who are using military weapons in their war against the Mexican government. You know, is it, is it that hard to you know, draw a difference between somebody grabbing an AK 47 in Syria and taking it to the UK or Sweden versus somebody picking up a gun in, you know, Mexico and bringing it into Los Angeles. So you know, like, is it, yeah. is it that, is it that hard of a, a thing to imagine that could happen?
0: Right. It, it's, Fascinating. I mean, because so often we see the UK and Europe and Scandinavia, including Sweden, being held up as the ideal, you know, for us stupid Americans, that we should consider gun control laws like what they have over there, because it makes a world of difference. And yet we still see mass casualty attacks, not necessarily always with guns. Uh, of course, everyone remembers the the Paris shooting that happened, uh, you know, a couple of years ago now. Horrific, terrible thing with illegal weapons. I might add, Sweden's having some problems. The UK is having, you know, the the standard for the gun control supporters, the supporting left, if you will. Uh, the standard is the UK. And yet we see in the last year, or actually, it doesn't say the last year, but we are seeing, I'm going to click on that link and go and see what that says again. But we see that it has increased 42% in the UK with gun-related crime. Wow. So outlawing it outright, what do we know? Yeah, this just confirms that it does not take the guns away from from criminals necessarily. It certainly affects those that are law-abiding citizens. That 42% it appears, was a year-over-year year increase. Yes, that is a one-year increase. Uh, to, by the way, just so you don't think it's like a, they had 10 incidents and it went to like 18 incidents. No, they had uh, 2,544 gun crime offenses in April 2016. Uh, that's the increase, by, excuse me, from April 2016 to April 2017. So it went up from 1700 to twenty over 2500 That's a big number. It's a big number. Moving on now to abc15.com. This is actually featured in our first Justified Story segment for today. And the reason why is because this is actually a follow-up. Okay, This was a story we reported on a while ago, shortly after it happened. Uh, this is the story in the Phoenix, Arizona area where an Arizona police officer was shot and beaten by a suspect, Um, a good Samaritan that just happened to be coming by on the road, uh, became aware of the altercation, went down there, shot the suspect, saved most likely the life of this officer.
1: Yep. And this, uh, this, what I really like is that what they've done is they've shared here some of the video from the, you know, Uh, I guess the interviews, you know, the post incident interviews, both with the officer who was attacked and with the good Samaritan who did the saving. And so this is worth going to the link that we're sharing in the show notes from ABC 15 Arizona and watching those videos because you kind of get a sense, you know, for, for the perspective, both from the officer and from the good Samaritan. And it's, it's a bit hard. It's a bit emotional to watch that good Samaritan tell his story and talk about what he did. Because when he, when he talks about, you know, having to fire his gun on this person, he gets really emotional. Uh, you know, and it, I think it gives us that that really necessary and important insight into what it takes for one human to take the life of another human. And, you know, it, it's so easy to, you know, troll around on YouTube and say, I'd shoot him dead. But but the truth is, hopefully, that the vast majority of us, you know, we understand the sanctity of human life and what we're really talking about when we have these conversations because it's a very serious Serious thing when we talk about someone's father or brother or son or whatever it is no longer being alive. And so, anyway, yeah. I really appreciated that. I also appreciated uh, the comments from the officer talking about how, how how much peril he was really in and how how much risk he knew he was in, and and you know how important it was that this man came to his aid.
0: Yeah, you know, and when we initially reported on this, I mean, by the way, uh, we see the I'm playing back the video right now. We see the direct vehicle that this kind of all started with. But when, when we initially reported on this, I don't know that all the facts were out. For instance, I don't know that I recall knowing that the officer was, was also shot. Um, I knew that the officer was being beat up, but I don't recall that he was shot. So the story goes that uh, this call started as a wrecked vehicle, you know, as an accident of some sort this officer is the first to respond he arrives on the scene he sees the suspect cradling his girlfriend on the ground um, and when the officer shows up he goes to, he goes to assist he he's actually setting up road flares and stuff to direct traffic so that, you know you know they they whether they cut down a lane or whatever um, and he, as he's doing that he turns and sees that the what he thought was just an injured person that was part of this car wreck he actually has the suspect has a gun in his hand and he initially shoots the officer in the shoulder, and then the, the suspect is somehow able to, to you know, and maybe he's already up close at that point, but he's able to gain control of the officer. He begins beating him in the head with the firearm. Uh, frankly, I'm amazed that he the, the suspect didn't just go ahead and shoot him um, at that, you know, shoot him again or whatever at that point. But it's at that point now that you have the Good Samaritan uh, who who is coming by and sees what's going on and... You know, <laughs> and he he steps right in. In fact, if I remember correctly, the the Good Samaritan he was actually traveling from California to Arizona. Maybe he's going the other way. I don't remember exactly which which it was, uh, but he he was actually traveling uh, from one state to another. He happened to have his gun with him, and he was able to respond and save this officer's life. That's right. Yeah, yeah and that was the 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 Good Samaritan is uh, this Yakzol uh fellow. Uh what was his first name? I was trying to find it again here. Um, you know, and he he actually talks about it. he says the suspect was still on the trooper. I yelled the suspect to get off him. The officer said, help me please. The suspect said, shut up. Uh he then fired twice, center mass, one in the head. He fell back. I reached down to make sure the officer was okay. The suspect lurched at this point. I shot him a third time. That's a amazing story. And uh you know, it's, it's a tragic one, of course, but it's an amazing story because, um, you know, this trooper, you know, unfortunately in the last week we've, we've lost, uh, other law law enforcement officers, even locally right here in Colorado, uh, you know, deputy Heath gum, um, uh, and others recently, uh, we're seeing so many of these attacks on, against law enforcement. This guy fortunately was in the right place at the right time was able to save this guy's life. Yeah. So, that was a justified story. I mean, I know we covered it before, but this was just a follow-up because we actually see this interview with the trooper who survived the attack, and he's able to hear the story from him firsthand. Next justified story from North Charleston. Uh, police will not pursue charge against man who killed unarmed boy who was age 15 in car theft. Break this one down for us, Jacob.
1: Yeah, you know, I like this story a lot. I'm glad you included it today in our podcast. So, essentially, you have a 15-year-old who's trying to steal a car and a good Samaritan, the owner of the car, who approaches the suspect, um basically to say, "Hey, don't steal my car," kind of thing. And in the in the process of that confrontation, the good Samaritan determines that his life is is being threatened. Or at least he perceives, right, that that the the criminal may have a gun or may you know something like that and and so the good samaritan fires and and guns down and kills the 15 year old boy now you know in in hindsight it turns out that the the boy was not armed it doesn't appear that you know he there was a credible threat but you know in the moment the you know, the perception of the gun owner was that that there was a threat now the question the big question being asked by the 15 year old's family is why did you approach the car at all? And to me, that is a phenomenal question. And this story does a a, a great job of illustrating something really important that I often will tell my students, which is that just because something's legal, that doesn't make it smart. And just because something's illegal, that doesn't make it stupid. We don't make decisions based on what we can get away with later in court. In this case you know the gun owner got away with this in court because the law allows that when you perceive that you have a a serious a, a threat you know of death or serious bodily injury that you can act in your defense and the apparently he was able to prove or his attorney was able to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that he did have that that reasonable perception uh, of of the realities that he, there was a threat but you know, in hindsight, looking back, this is going to be a hard one to live with. Can you imagine being this gun owner and trying to
0: sleep at night? Uh, no, no, I do not wish this saw my worst enemy. I mean, to, like you said, I mean, live with the knowledge that you ended the life of a 15-year-old kid. Um, and you got to go back. Maybe, Maybe you have a little bit of personal guilt as far as, you know, I should have never even involved myself in that situation in the first place, just like you suggested, Jacob. That's a tough one. I mean, on one hand, you might look at it from the, the angle of, you see this kid, and you perceive him as a kid, and you're this grown adult, and so you think, ah, this kid can't be a threat to me, and so maybe that's why you involve yourself. You think, hey, I'm going to go stop this kid, I'm going to give him a lecture, you know, and call his mommy and his daddy and tell him to come pick him up, and next thing you know, the kid's trying to drive off the car, and you're, you're caught on it somehow, and now your life's in danger right yeah so, so the threat's legitimate, right, um, and we see this so often in law enforcement uh, situations too i mean this, that's where we see this 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 is actually the first um, i think this is the first civilian case like this i've seen i mean we had this we've had some similar cases i mean we had the one where the the driver of a vehicle they had a he had a suspect you know a, a dude hanging onto to his vehicle as he was driving along. And, you know, but that, that, that one is a little bit different, right? In this case, you have a, a, a car theft and the suspect's inside the vehicle and you are, it's your vehicle and you are somehow caught on that vehicle. You're unable to free yourself. You're being dragged. And so, I don't. you know, we see this with law enforcement and they get a bad rap for shooting suspects in these cases, um, you know, a lot of times as well even though they may be completely justified. You know, I mean, the DAs, in most cases, look at these situations and go, yeah, this deputy or this cop's life's endangered, and he felt like this is what he had to do to stop that vehicle from continuing to accelerate and put his life at even greater risk. We see this now in the civilian case, and no charges are being uh, pursued. Um, So that's an interesting – this is a really – I think for me, this is a big-time precedent, and I've not really seen this type of case before in the civilian side of things.
1: Yep, I mean for me the major takeaway here, you know, for for listeners, is you know think think twice about involving yourself in a confrontation. the the family of this of this dead boy is saying, hey, why didn't you just call nine one one and wait? And I frankly echo that. You know, why didn't you just call nine one one and wait? Uh, we do not need to involve ourselves with things you know, where it's not necessary to immediately preserve life. That, that's, that's my rough philosophy. And you know, I don't know all the details. I don't know what the gun owner saw. We're, we're playing total Monday morning armchair quarterback on this one, uh, but that, that's the best we can do. And hopefully that we, we can derive and learn some valuable lessons for us.
0: Right. Think twice before you involve yourself in the protection of property. Uh, really think long and hard. You know, on, on the one hand, though, I I can play a little bit of devil's advocate, Jacob, in that a lot of times car thefts are performed to um, facilitate the commission of other greater crimes, uh, robberies, assaults, um, you know, vandalism. Well, not not vandalism. I was trying uh, home invasion. That's that's what I was looking for. Uh, and so. On the one hand, you you could almost argue, well, that vehicle likely might be used and be a threat to other human life, but you don't know that. Let the law enforcement make that determination. Let them deal with that. That's oftentimes what they may be faced with. I mean, uh, as they are performing a traffic stop and they have reasonable suspicion that this person is trying to commit some other crime, and now they they start to take off or whatever, but... uh, yeah, really think long and hard before you involve yourself in the protection of property. Because when life gets involved or the protection of property, property, it just often isn't worth it, in my opinion. So, coming to now to, we've got, uh, I think we've got two more stories. And this first, this next one here is from the Washington Times. Intruder held at gunpoint blames rain for break-in. So this one caught my attention. Uh, A man who broke into a Delaware house and was held at gunpoint says he only broke in to get out of the rain. I don't know that it matters, right? Well, it it doesn't
1: matter. Um, But more importantly, it sounds like a bunch of bull crap, but but yeah, I mean, and just for fun, let's, let's kind of, let's, let's rehash this a little bit let's just, let's just assume for fun that uh, you are the homeowner uh, yeah. Now, in most states you know there's there 's some clause in the law to the effect of you need to have you know, reasonable ground to believe that this intruder in your home is there to do bad stuff uh, they 're not just you know my mother in law who lets herself in the front door you know she makes illegal uh, unlawful entries all the time into my home because she 's my mother in law and she just thinks it 's fine to walk in, but I probably would have a hard time justifying that she 's here to to hurt people right so probably w- would not be legally justified so you know there, when we talk about self defense law and, and bra you know hashes this out, one of those elements is that you actually have to believe that life is in jeopardy, right You actually have to think that there's an immediate danger or threat and so if someone comes into my house to get out of the rain if that 's if that's the story whether it 's true or or, or not let 's just assume it is true, do I know that and that 's the point right as me as the homeowner or gun owner, do i immediately see that. Do I see that? Oh, clearly this person's only in my home right now to get out of the rain. Or do I perceive something else? And and that's the the main takeaway here, you know, in in referring to this one is you know, what what would you perceive? What would you what would you think was going on if someone's walking around your living room middle of the night and and that's what you see.
0: Yeah. Well (laughs) obviously I'm gonna perceive to me a threat. I mean someone inside my home is a threat to me and my family. Right. Now we could go down the path of why, and I think this article even touches on that a little bit, you know, why, um, actually, no, I was thinking of something else I read somewhere else. Uh, but, but yeah, that's the big question here is why go and investigate this situation? Uh, cause it's, it sounds like this woman wakes up because she heard something and then she goes out and she notices someone is moving around in her living room. Right? So the, my perception of this is that she then goes back, according to the article, she goes back and wakes up her 33 year old boyfriend. He then gla- grabs the Glock 26 and then goes and confronts this, this uh, home intruder. Right? So she stumbles upon the intruder. She comes back to the bedroom, wakes up the boyfriend who then grabs his gun and then goes to the intruder right? So, when you know you've got that intruder, why go and confront him? We, we've talked about this a number of times. Isolate the family, defend the room. This is a strategy and a philosophy that Jacob and I both uh, strongly recommend and believe in. Uh, Jacob especially. So, I mean, you, you, you actually coined that term, isolate the family, defend the room. And so, you know the dude is there. Uh, you can yell all manner of commands and and scream at him and do, you know, whatever to try to get him out of the home from a safer location and distance. Meanwhile, taking up position where maybe you've got some ideal cover, uh, you create uh, some sort of fatal funnel, you know, at least for that intruder. If he starts to come towards you and you've got that point of defense, well, now you got a whole, you know, now, now the picture changes, but, That's probably a better play here, rather than going to and confronting that that potential threat. That that you know, as as you go to confront him, he maybe has now taken up a point of defense, and he may now use something against you.
1: And you and you don't know, right? Exactly. Another another takeaway here is the idea of having a having a plan and working the plan. Yep. So in this case, girlfriend wakes up, uh, she's you know, hey, look, there's someone in the house goes, wakes up the boyfriend, hey, do something you know, maybe, maybe that was the plan. Maybe the plan was check on noises, then, then wake me up. <laughs> um, you know, but that's probably not the best plan. The, the The point is, do you have a plan? You know, in this house, we don't have a plan for every single little contingency because we can't plan for everything, but we do have some core fundamental, fundamental response plans that, that the kids know. And, you know, more, more of those plans, my wife and I are, are just, you know, together on the same page with we know what we're going to do we have a very specific response plan now we have kids so our response plan is perhaps a little bit more complex than it might need to be if it was just the two of us but yeah i think this just reiterates the need to, to have a plan in this case time some miraculous way was on was on their side but it could have been a lot worse
0: yeah agreed have a plan and stick to that plan Final story. Licensed handgun owner killed man in self-defense, Austin police say. This on KXAN.com, a a local NBC affiliate in the Austin, Texas area. And uh, it says here, a licensed to carry handgun owner shot and killed a man who fired at him in an apartment parking lot in North Austin on Saturday. Police identified the man who died as Darwin Jimenez, age 21. He died around 5.20 p.m. at the scene of the shooting, Um, despite, it says, EMS's efforts to resuscitate him. The Austin Police Department homicide investigators say it appears, now this links us, we've come full circle now, Jacob. It appears a verbal altercation that turned into a shootout began when a man pulled into the arbors of Austin apartment's parking lot. Jimenez and other men were allegedly sitting inside a car and began yelling at the driver who ignored them as he pulled into a parking space. Probably best that he initially ignored him. Police say it appears that the argument was over the drive through in the parking lot. Jimenez and others drove up as the man got out of his car and Jimenez and someone else got out. Jimenez started shooting at the man who pulled out his handgun from his car and fired back. He and Jimenez did not know each other. Uh, so, you know, this <laughs> once, I mean, so full circle, right? I, the first story was talking about some sort of verbal altercation that got escalated to the point that a man fired shots two two other men, uh, killed and a woman injured in this case, it really seems as though it was started by Jimenez and escalated by Jimenez as he, and this is the important thing as we analyze this shooting, right? They begin yelling at the man, what about, we don't know exactly. They then approach him, they drive up closer to him, Jimenez gets out of the vehicle and further continues to confront the man, and Jimenez fires the first shots. Um, Unfortunately, it cost him his life. And I would say, fortunately for this man that returned fire, that he appears to have escaped that unscathed. And he made accurate return fire and, and saved his life. Frankly, saved his life in this case.
1: Yes, indeed. You know, this is an interesting one. We're we're getting ready to launch our uh vehicle firearm tactics course, which will be an online video course available on our website. And so I'm kind of extra sensitive to news stories where we see someone who you know is in a car and has to defend themselves or they have to defend themselves against somebody else who's in a car. And, you know. We don't know. All, the details are kind of fuzzy on what you know, the actual original altercation, the verbal altercation that turned into the shootout. Uh, what's clear is that this escalated uh, instead of de-escalating. And in the end, our our good guy, as we are currently interpreting it, he starts taking fire from within the car, comes out unscathed, and then returns fire from within his car and h- hits his targets, or at least one of the targets. You know, is able to to stop the confrontation. So. Uh, I, 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 this is something we talked a ton about in our course, but I'll just say right now, you who are listening to this podcast right now, have you ever taken your real gun or a training gun, sat in your car and ran some drills? I just highly suspect that the vast majority of us have failed to really create any muscle memory or really put in any consideration related to how to defend yourself in that situation. So it's a bit of a tangent, but I think it's really important that you have done this, that you've thought through these situations and said, well, if I'm sitting right here in the driver's seat and I have a threat there, how am I going to address that? How about if my threat is over yep. there? How am I going to address that? Um, and and actually thinking through that and, and just real slow style with with an unloaded gun or taking your training pistol and going through some of those those exercises is going to be humongous to your survival should you ever find yourself in a nasty situation like this
0: one. Yeah. Those are really great points there, Jacob. And, and just so that we are clear, he asked, have you ever practices have you run through some drills for yourself in your vehicle i would just add have you ever done that and done so appropriately and safely uh so but you know uh, i think an important thing for me where it relates to defending yourself in or around your vehicle uh, is, is a couple of things number one uh recognizing the order, the, the, the correct priorities, you know, in their correct order. We've touched on it a number of times and you'll see this reiterated in this vehicle fighting course or whatever. Uh, what, have we come up with the official name, Jacob, for it? I think we're going to go with Vehicle Firearm Tactics, VFT. Okay, there you go. And the Vehicle Firearm Tactics course, okay, is number one, Trying to evade that situation. Okay, now this one's an interesting one. Let's let's look at this this situation that we just talked about in North Austin, Texas, um, as far as the way that it progressed for this guy. Okay, you have this this poor this poor guy that apparently he's done something to upset the the occupants of this other vehicle. Right? He pulls into a parking space. They begin yelling, cursing, whatever at him, which it seems apparent according to the article that he ignored them right? Uh, He just was like, ah, whatever, you know. He parked his vehicle. He's going someplace or he's coming. It was an apartment, so I guess I would assume he's coming home or whatever. Uh, He's just going to, you know, do his thing, ignore them. Those crazy dudes over there in that vehicle, right? But they escalate it. They actually bring their car over closer to his. I would imagine by pulling up close to him, they may be blocking him in. So at this point, his option to evade, to use the vehicle to get away, that's gone right? Number two, then you got to consider is might you consider using that vehicle as a potential weapon, right? Um, I don't know if that was an option here in this case, okay? And maybe that by this point, this guy's already thinking, I'm getting out of my vehicle, I'm ignoring these dudes, and now he's exposed, all right? So now <clears throat> the the situation continues to escalate. And the third priority is, well, if you can't evade, if you can't use the the, the vehicle as a weapon, and you might have to consider getting out of the vehicle. Uh, you, you basically have to make the, the decision. Am I going to fight from within the vehicle or am I going to get out of the vehicle? Ideally, you, it's probably best to try to get out of the vehicle in most situations. I mean, if you're in that driver's seat and this Jimenez guy is shooting through your back window or through your side window, you're pinned in. You got nowhere you can go. You can't evade with the vehicle. Uh, you're stuck. You are, an, you are a static object that's going to make great practice shooting for, for the other guy right? And it sounds like the guy gets out of the vehicle Now, whether that's because he decided to to do so, or he was just by, you know, naturally getting out as a course of his already planned actions to, to do whatever, to go into his apartment, but he gets out, shots are fired, shots are exchanged. The bad guy, fortunately in this case goes down. That's the important, that's, that's number one, those, those four priorities, evade, use vehicle as weapon, get out of the vehicle, or perhaps fight from within the vehicle, okay? Decide what you got to do. The second thing is to keep it simple. Just honestly keep it simple. Uh, There's a lot of guys out there that'll that'll show you these fancy tricks and things inside the vehicle, fancy ways to remove your seatbelt and do all this fanciness. Keep it simple. You take off your seatbelt on a daily basis, most of you. Drive your vehicles. Just do it. Make it happen. But the thing that you probably don't do on a daily basis is figuring out how to draw that weapon from whatever carry method. And now I've been carrying a appendix more and more lately today. I'm actually carrying OWB on my hip. That's a little bit more challenging position to get my, my gun from. Have you practiced that? Have you staged that? Have you gone through various uh, you know imagined scenarios and drills? Figure it out. Do it. Practice. A, a good, safe place to do this is with some sort of training weapon, okay, a CERT pistol or an airsoft gun or whatever in your vehicle inside your garage where you're not going to raise any sort of unnecessary suspicion. <laughs> Don't do this in Arby's parking lot.
1: <laughs> yeah, that would be discouraged.
0: <clears throat> Sorry, I went on there, but, but, but lots, of, lots of stuff there based on this one story. It's a, it's a good one. We got I've, I've bookmarked this one. I imagine you have as well, Jacob. Yep. So last words.
1: You know, last words would be, um, in the, we're getting close to episode number 200. Um, and so we have decided to do a giveaway we've finalized a short list of products. So be on the lookout for that. Be think, you know, be, be ready for that announcement. Uh, you're going to want to get entered and share the podcast so that you can have an opportunity to win those prizes. So we'll be announcing that here very, very soon as well.
0: Yeah. Yep. We got some really exciting stuff coming in that regard. Also just a reminder that, uh, as was mentioned earlier in the episode that we will be launching the not your average gun girls podcast on Thursday this week, be looking for that. And also you men, husbands, boyfriends, whatever, viewing this podcast here today, tell your special someone about the not your average gun girl po- podcast. I think they're going to enjoy it. A podcast that is finally for, for them. Um, so we look forward to that getting that, that sucker launched. Be, it'll be it'll a good one. So just a reminder to wrap up, our sponsors of today's episode is Guardianation. Go check it out, guardianation.com. Also, Andrew Branca's Law of Self-Defense. At, you can check it out at concealedcarry.com forward slash L-O-S-D. And also Pig Lube. Go to concealedcarry.com forward slash Pig Lube. Check that out as well. So we thank all of our sponsors of today's episode of the podcast. We look forward to bringing some more great content here later this week with a special interview with a special someone from SHOT Show 2018. I know you're going to love it. And so we will see you on Thursday. And so with that, Jacob, we'll, we'll bid you farewell, sir. Yeah. hasta la vista, amigo. <laughs> and just a reminder, folks, to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care.